My name's Adele Onyango and welcome to another episode of Legally Clueless. No, seriously, I have no clue what I'm doing, but I'm pretty sure I'm not the only one. <laughs> so I've been sitting here panicking because every time I tried to record this, my microphone was not picking any audio. So I was just like, oh my goodness, is one of my microphones dead? What is happening? And it turns out... <laughs> The microphone has a mute button on it that has this bright red light that flashes, okay, when you press the mute button. So when the microphone is on mute, I don't know how I didn't see that. And I went completely into panic mode anyway. How are you? How are you doing? <laughs> Welcome to episode 159. Thank you so much for rocking with this podcast, even though I have quite a few of those blonde moments. But hey, <laughs> here we are. Let's get on with it. If this is your first time listening to this podcast, Welcome to the family. Make sure you join our Instagram fam. We're at Legally Clueless Podcast. You can also check out our YouTube where you can watch our video series. There's two seasons of that out. And our tour series. There's a link to our YouTube in the show notes, but it's Legally Clueless. You can't miss it. It's a bright yellow page. Our newest corner of the internet is our TikTok page. <laughs> I'm. It's so funny because I joined TikTok some time back and I thought it was going to be the corner where I do nothing focused, just like have fun times. And now because the podcast is there, <laughs> I have to take it seriously. So follow us on TikTok. We're at Legally Clueless Africa. There's links to all of those platforms in the show notes. So obviously the story in this episode is part two of the story that ran in episode 158. Listen to this. So he called my mom and I and he said, I've got a new school for you. It's in Nandi County. I was like, mm, interesting. Let me see the admission letter. I go through it and when I saw that students should have short hair, I froze. I have been called ugly when I had hair. I have been made fun of my acne when I had hair. So now I'm imagining myself with short hair. Things are about to get worse. So the day came, I shaved my hair. As I was being shaved, I was just crying. There was a rumor that was spread in school that I was in Illuminati. So they said me and the other two girls were in Illuminati and that I had a chain and that I was the leader for the Illuminati. Because when I'd go to the dome in my cube, people would start praying. She told us to stand up and confess that Jesus is Lord. And he told me, you know what? I know that you're not okay. And I'm going to take you to my friend. He didn't tell me a therapist because I would have said no. That is part two of Judith's story. So we're going to get to that a little later in this episode. But before we do, song of the week, which is a song I just stumbled on actually. And I have zero idea what it's about I think it's a love song from the bits that are in English but I could be wrong it could be a breakup song <laughs> and I'm here saying how sweet and lovely it is anyway it is by Amanda Black I have been binging her music over the last couple of days Ooh, cannot get enough of her so I want you to check out the song I am probably butchering the pronunciation of the name but here goes it's called Kale so that's K-A-H-L-E. I don't know. The song has something about it. There's an energy. There's something draws me to this song. I'm not sure what. So give it a listen. Maybe it'll draw you into. Maybe it won't. <laughs> but hey, you have listened to a new song. So put a link to it in the show notes. Okay. I hope you're doing well. I think I didn't hope you're doing well in the last episode. And I'm so sorry. 
I hope you're well every week. I probably just forgot to say it. I hope you're surrounded by grace. Again, for the last couple of months, over six months, I've just realized how important that is. Grace, not only for yourself, but for situations as well. Grace to allow time to do its thing. Grace to sit in the uncomfortable feelings. Just, just grace. Grace. Grace, grace, grace all around. I just got back from Dubai. I was not on any yacht in Aethong. <laughs> I was working. Oh my goodness. These past two months, February, March, because I've been to Dubai twice and both times it's not been to give a speech or to be on a panel. It's been to perform poetry. Yeah. I mean, poetry is where everything began for me. It's even how the first ever radio station I worked at got to hear about me because I used to host an open mic and perform my poetry at it. But then I stopped performing because I convinced myself that people wanted dramatic performances and I just wasn't that. So I convinced myself that people only listened to my performances because they kind of like either knew me or felt sorry for me. I didn't think that people listened to the words. Also, quite a few of my performances were in bars. And to be quite frank, I just, <laughs> I don't think people come to bars to listen to poetry. So it could have been a venue thing. But I, I've i always said that I stopped performing because radio came and it took over. And to some extent, that's like 10% of it. But more than anything, I convinced myself that my performances just weren't good enough. And so I stopped. One of the people working in conjunction with Dubai Expo knew me from those days, knew that they needed more of poetry and less of speeches and formal speeches from me. So she has been very instrumental in getting me back to performing poetry. And it's so strange that <laughs> I would get back in a completely different country. So the first piece I did, and I'm very proud about the pieces that I wrote actually and performed at the Dubai Expo. The first one was like an ode to African women and I just really enjoyed performing it. And the second was looking at water, which you'd think would be something boring to write about, but I really love huge bodies of water. I find them so humbling. And so to kind of like personify water and just write about it from there and linking it to things that you know our ancestors went through was was quite fascinating and both performances were received so well the first one there's a writer who actually came in tears afterwards I think I told you about this a few episodes ago and the second performance got like the loudest applause of the entire event even the MC said it and it was so affirming and so validating because this was the year that I really wanted to be more playful and revive a few things around my poetry. Write a lot more, perform even more, find where poetry and video meet, have an exhibition, why not? But I share this not to like toot my own horn or anything, but just to say that even if you put down something that you love, for whatever reasons, maybe yours are career, or maybe like me, you just had a dip in your self-esteem, etc. Even if you put down something that you love for whatever reasons, you could pick it up again and just kind of have an open mind about it. We're made up of so many different people. It can feel like when you put down something that you love, that that part of you is dead and should never be revived. 
but we're made up of so many different people who are all valid and I guess they just like come alive <laughs> at different times or maybe all at the same time. Why not? There's, there's nothing wrong with that. So another thing I wanted to share before we jump into 100 African stories is I have this huge lump of anxiety in my throat because this Thursday is going to mark 10 years since my mom died, which is crazy because it was just nine years, literally, like I blinked and now we're 10 years, Whoo! which is a child being born <laughs> and they are now 10 years old. <laughs> I am not a parent, but 10 years old is pretty old, isn't it? Yeah. And so I don't know, I feel like right now I'm navigating things that I wish she was here to kind of not even guide me through because that's not, I think I just want to always look back like physically turn around and know that she's there and then oh it's been 10 years of that not being the case so I'm feeling I'm going to say anxious about it but I don't know if that's the word anyway by the end of the week I'll have the word because I have a therapy session on Tuesday so should be able to <laughs> unpack the feelings then I do know one feeling that I feel is selfish because like every bit of my being wants her back and every reason that I want her back is to benefit me and not her knowing that she passed away from such a horrible disease cancer was in so much pain and then here I am wanting her back to benefit me only I do feel a bit selfish about that which is human but you know you have to call it what it is and then I've found myself and this is not only currently but maybe over the past year, because I think like my grief has just taken like a different gear. But I found myself bouncing between life being you live and you die. So what's the point? You know, having a very hopeless, blech approach to life. You just live and then you die. So what's the point of putting in any effort or trying? So I bounce between that and the opposite, which is, yes, you live and you die, which is the point. So you've got to make the most of the bits where you're living. It it can be a bit confusing identity-wise and exhausting. And it doesn't necessarily have a clear-cut end. So I'm just like bouncing between the two. Anyway, that's on Thursday. Uh, not really looking forward to it. Haven't scheduled anything, so fingers crossed. Let's see how it goes. Anyway, let's jump into 100 African stories. Of course, as I said, this is part two of Judith's story. So if you have not listened to episode 158, I think you may want to do that so that this part can make sense. I don't know. But hey, it's podcasting. There are no rules. Do what you want. And so the one thing that I do like about Judith's story, well, I like many things, but one of the most important things actually is that it ends on a very powerful note. A hundred African stories on Legally Clueless. Stories from Africa. So when I got done with primary, my results came out and I didn't perform as good as my parents expected, my dad expected. And my dad told me that even since you went to this new school, you stopped participating in sports. I've not seen any medal from you. And now the results are here. You've not, I got 300 and above, but I didn't get what they thought I would get. So it was quite frustrating for them. I didn't get to tell them what I went through 
no one ever knew that I went through social and verbal bullying in primary. It took some time getting a school to be enrolled in in high school. So a month later now, my dad again called us. He was in town and he called and he was like, I have good news. And I knew, damn, it's another school. <laughs> But this time it was form one, so at least I was not joining school in, in the middle of a town. So he called my mom and I, and he said, I've got a new school for you. It's in Nandi County. I was like, mm, interesting. Let me see the admission letter. So my dad gives me the admission letter. I go through it, and when I saw that students should have short hair, I froze. I got stuck there, and I was like, I have been called ugly when I had hair. I have been made fun of my acne when I, ha when I had hair. So now I'm imagining myself with short hair. This is, things are about to get worse. So when I just saw students should have short hair, I froze there and I didn't even continue reading the letter. My mood just went from 100 to zero. And now my dad was like, ah, why has your mood changed? I told him, ah, it's nothing. So he said, okay, let's go, let's, let's start shopping. So my dad was so excited that day. You think he's the, he, you'd think he's the one joining from one. He was so excited shopping. So me, I was already depressed about shaving my hair. I was already thinking about what is ahead of me, the insults. I was already insulting myself in my head. I was just like, this is good, what I'm going to go through in high school. So I wasn't even happy that day shopping. And I remember my dad telling my mom, can you tell your daughter to at least be, be active to Afurei Kidogo? Because we're doing shopping for her and she's going to for one, she should be excited. So my mom, my mom asks me, why are you like this? We are trying to get you a good school to go to and you're not showing any emotion. And I told her, ah, I'm fine. I, I guess it's just the shock of going to, I got a new school to go to Form 1. So we did the shopping. I, I don't even remember choosing things for myself. I was just telling my mom, ah, you just get whatever you feel is good for me. I'll take it. So the day came, I shaved my hair. And that day, I was, as I was being shaved, I was just crying, which was quite embarrassing for my age. But I was crying because I was afraid of what was to come. So after being shaved, I went and looked at myself in the mirror and I was like, wow, now you're ugly, ugly, not even ugly. Now you're ugly. <sighs> I felt so, I don't know. I just felt so bad. My self-esteem was at the worst, I think. And so, yeah, the day for going to school came, I wore my, I didn't have my uniform. We were being given uniforms in in school so i didn't know that going to form one you're supposed to wear your primary school uniform when being admitted my dad wasn't told so i me I dressed up in my usual home clothes i i wore a purple dress and black heels so we got to school and now the teacher is asking who is the student here because i had my home clothes and then the my, my dad is like she's a student and the teacher is like she was supposed to come in her primary school uniform and my dad was like, okay, I didn't see that in the letter. We are sorry about it. So as I walk towards the dorm, everyone is staring at me because I'm not wearing my primary um, uniform. So people are already like, eh, hey, we are in Instana high class. She can't wear her primary school uniform too when she's being enrolled. So I went at least the first day in high school, I got a friend who was from the same. I was 
living in Eldoret then. So she was from Eldoret and we had something in common. So at least that was nice. I got to have a friend the first day I got to high school. So my parents left. I got, her name was Wamboi. Shout out to you too. <laughs> she was really nice to me. She was in form two and I was in form one. So she really helped me cop in school and everything. But after some time, she transferred. So when she left, I think it was it felt like I was a new student again because now I had to find a way to go get meals for myself. And it was hectic, it was crazy. And now when she left, my stuff started getting stolen. I, my bed sheet was stolen, my gumboots. I remember all my sweaters were stolen and I didn't even have a sweater to wear. And I'm a form one and I'm like, where am I going to start? <laughs> I don't have a sweater to wear. So when I got to form two now, my parents, so this high school I went to was the opposite of my primary. Now I was, I won't say that I was from a rich family, but I was among the few people who would be visited by their parents in at least a nice car, you know. And having gone through bullying in primary, I had set boundaries. Now I, I was very cautious of the people I'm allowing in my circle. I didn't just want to associate with everyone because I didn't know who is really being honest so i set boundaries and i didn't used to talk to a lot of people so this bothered some girls in my class and they started saying this girl like Maringo, she's only talking to people who are on her level and really i i don't think i i wasn't that type of person this girls incited other girls in the class and now again no one wants to be your friend because so I'd say I didn't have much friends and now getting to form three it got so bad because now there was a rumor that was spread in school that I was in Illuminati in form three. <laughs> so one time I'm just sleeping in class so and then a girl comes and taps me and then she's like are you okay? Then I told her, yeah. And then she told me, are you sure you're okay? And I told her, yes, I'm okay. So at games time, she came and told me, do you know that people are saying you're in Illuminati? Ati, that when you sleep in class, G, you've gone for a meeting in Nigeria when you're, when you're asleep now. So I was like, wow, for real? And she was like, yeah, and it's not only you, it's with two other friends of yours. So I had two friends. They weren't really close to me, but I'd say these were girls I was spending much of my time with and talking to most of the time. So they said me and the other two girls were in Illuminati and that I had a chain and that I was the leader for the Illuminati. So ah, me, I ignored that. That day she told me that I ignored that. that was a, that's a very stupid rumor. Like seriously, I've been in school. This is like, the term is almost over. And now is when you're telling me that I'm in Illuminati. All this time I've been in school, you didn't think of that. Uh, so me, I let it slide. And now at night is when I noticed that, wow, so the rumor had been on for like a week and I didn't know. So now after she told me is when I started noticing. Because when I'd go to the dome in my cube, people would start praying. So now it started hitting me like, oh yeah, these people always pray every time I come to the cube. It had been going on, but I didn't know that. I thought that ah, maybe they've just decided to become so spiritual without me involved. So I was like, okay, that's okay. But now I started noticing that they're actually praying. And so I, I called the other two friends in my room, in the, in, the, in the cube at night. It was like at 10 p.m. when my roommates were praying. So when I called the two of them, they, 
the, the, the girl who was sleeping below me was like Shindwe when the, the two other girls came because now it's like at a devil's gathering. So I told this to all my friends. <laughs> so I told this to all my friends. Do you know that people are saying we're in Illuminati? Then these two girls were like, okay, why are they saying that? And I was like, I don't know, but it's just a rumor. And the rumor is that I have a chain and that I'm the leader for this Illuminati. So they just, we laughed it off, by the way. And we were like, ah, he's only Ujinga. Just let it slide. So we slept. So the next morning, now I woke up. People had known that I knew the, about the rumor. And so when one time I was coming out of class at night, going to the lab for chem chemistry class, there's a form one student who saw me at the corridor and she screamed. She screamed so loud. The teacher came out and asked her, why are you screaming? And she was like, there's a devil walking on the pathway. So the, this female teacher asked her a devil what devil i don't see any devil then she's pointing at me so as i was approaching her the teacher stopped me and, uh, and told me this former student has seen you and she has screamed and she has said there's a devil so she asked me do you know what she could be talking about and i told her mm -mm, i i don't know i knew they said i was in illuminati but i was like no i don't know so she said okay you just go where you're going she was taken to the principal's office so I guess she got to explain that there was a rumor we were in Illuminati. I don't know what she told the principal. So that night passed. The next day now, my friends and I would walk around people and you walk past someone and they say Shindwe and they said they say Pepo in a pita, you know. And all these things started getting in my head. Now me was like, hey Kwani, Kwani now Sasa, I look like a devil. What what is happening? Why is it that in every school I go to, I'm the one who is different. It started with body shaming, acne shaming, and now I'm being called a devil. So now I'm starting to think that I actually look like a devil. And now it got into my head. And this rumor kept going on and on. And now people are being told, avoid that girl, avoid her at all costs. Don't talk to her, don't sit close to her. Even my deskmate in class, she would literally fidget. Like when I go and sit, she would, she would literally shake. And I'm like, relax, I'm not in Illuminati. This is, this is just a stupid rumor. She would not even sit with me, by the way. And unless her teacher comes to class, at a familiar to your class, but you can see that this person is not okay. So one time my, my friend's uncle died when this rumor was still going on and they said we have sacrificed the uncle. And you can imagine this girl was going through a hard time trying to mourn her uncle and then people are saying now she has sacrificed her uncle. So things got so bad. They started saying that we are planning to sacrifice students. It was so bad. We were being called devils. Like Unapita Kandawatwanasemashindo people pray whenever you walk into a room, people start to pray and it felt horrible. And me I I acted strong in front of my friends, the two other girls who were with me, but in my bed I would break down because i was like there's really something wrong with me because it can't just be me all the time i can't just be the different one all the time so i was like there's there's clearly something wrong with me so the next morning the head girl went and told the principal that the, the students are in illuminati and they want to sacrifice students so you have to expel the students so the principal called for a meeting in class and she asked the class she called for a meeting with the, with the teacher who now was with the form one student who had screamed. She also came to class. So she asked the class, 
have these students been behaving awkward? And everyone was like, yes. Well, not everyone, but three quarters of the class was like, yes, they have been acting weird. So they asked, how are they behaving weird? They're saying that we are sleeping in class a lot of times. And, when, and then when we sleep, we make weird sounds. And that when we sleep, we have gone to a meeting in Nigeria. Now the principal even had that and she laughed because that was stupid. Like, how? So the, the students were asked, are these people in Illuminati? And three quarters of the class said, yes, they're in Illuminati. So I was just like, wow, for real, you guys are really going to say that we're in Illuminati. There's a girl who had issues with, she had issues with a lot of people in class, like this girl. She was just not nice. So she was asked, uh, she, she told the principal that me, I am, I am the ringleader and I've always wanted to destroy her. So I took this opportunity of joining Illuminati to make times hard for her. And she said that ever since I joined Illuminati, things have not been working out well for her in school. So she explained what had been happening to her and I don't understand how dumb my principal was because she believed all those things. She told us to stand up and confess that Jesus is Lord. So she was like, I want you to stand I want you to stand up and say this and this. So she would tell us, say my name is this, I love Jesus. So there's this notion that if you say Jesus and you're in Illuminati CGU, you're going to burn down or something. So she was expecting that if we say I am saved, I love Jesus, something weird would happen. So we did that. I stood up and I said, my name is Judy Akini. I'm not in Illuminati. I am saved. I love Jesus. I said that and nothing happened. It's like they were, they were expecting CGU. A spirit was going to come down on me and I was going to fall down and what would happen but nothing happened. We confessed and then she called us to the she called me, not even the other the other two girls. I was called to the to her office and then she told me that a lot of people have been complaining about you in this school. Not only that you're in Illuminati, but you're also making time people's time hard in school. I was called a bully, yet I was the one being bullied. I told the principal, me, I have no idea what you're talking about because in this school I'm the one who has been going through a lot, a lot of crap. So I told her part of the things that I was uncomfortable in because even in school my weight my weight was still a problem. People still made fun of how skinny I was, of the pimples I had. I would be asked, are you sick? Like do you have some sort of illness? So I told her that I was going through those things but I never aired them out because I figured it wasn't even relevant. So she had some empathy for me after I told her what I had gone through. And she was like, it's okay, you just go back to class. So that day when people had actually, everyone had said that we were in Illuminati, that day I, I don't know, something just came over me and now I started having flashbacks of my primary life and how I was unwanted. And now the same thing was happening in high school. I was isolating and everything. So the flashbacks were terrible. I started getting depressed. I started oversleeping because now I was depressed. I couldn't even get out of bed. I was oversleeping. I was getting in punishments. I was not finishing my work on time. There were moments where I couldn't even answer questions in class because I felt like people were just going to use this to make fun of me. Now it stuck with me that I was a devil, that I was ugly, that I was a devil. And now this, all these voices were in my head 
So I remember when we closed school after all that Illuminati incident. When I went home now, I was very different. I wasn't the Judy that my parents knew. I was not doing house chores anymore. I was lazy. I started becoming so shaggy. I, I was just so depressed. And my parents, I'm not saying, I'm not saying they're bad people, but they didn't know what I was going through, so they made things worse. They didn't understand what I was going through, so my mom would be like, would be like. You're so lazy nowadays. You don't do anything. My dad was also angry and he was like, now you're bringing bad results at home. You don't want to do your house chores anymore. What's wrong with you? I wanted to tell my parents that I was depressed, but I didn't know the words to use. I didn't know how to express myself. I wanted to tell them that People were making fun of my appearance. My parents would get so angry at me. And now I felt like I was being a failure at home because I was the happy child, I was the active child. I would literally help my mom do three quarter of her chores, but now I was just there. My hair was, yani, I looked, I looked pathetic and I didn't even care. I would, <laughs> I would wear clothes for several days without undressing until my sister is like, hey, you should wash it. You know, such things don't even cross your mind. I would lock myself up in the room. When people are seated in the sitting room, I'm just seated in the bedroom. And my dad would come and ask me, why are you isolating yourself? People are in the sitting room watching TV and you're here. That's bad manners. Can you get out and go and sit where people are? So now I was starting to get angry and I was like, why can't these people notice that I'm not okay? I was not saying it, but again, I was angry because no one can see that I'm not okay. So when opening day came, I told my mom, I don't like that school. I don't want to go back to that school. And my parents, for sure, they knew that I was not okay. So my dad tried switching schools for me. He tried getting me a new school, but it didn't work. So he just told me, uh, I know maybe you're not comfortable in this school, but just keep just, just keep going to this school until I was in form three then, when the Illuminati room I was there. So he told me, just keep going and you're about to finish, don't worry. When we opened school in now Form 4, after the Illuminati room, and now we are going to Form form 4. So we opened school and still, I think people still had the notion that we were devils. And so no one wanted to interact with us. And unfortunately, I lost my friends and now I was in a dark space mentally i <laughs> can i take a short break i'm about to break down <laughs> so yeah in i was at my worst place i hated myself i was my biggest bully i hated myself I called myself ugly. I felt unworthy of love. I I just felt like I I wasn't meant to be alive because of 
I, I started getting a lot of bad flashbacks and those words were always in my head. You have acne, you're never going to make it, you are dark skinned. You're never even going to be a journalist because they say that you don't fit in what's the, what's the beauty standards of what we see on TV. So what what's the purpose of living? So the second time I attempted suicide was when I was in not even in form four. Now I had cleared camp, I had cleared high school and I was at home. And this was after my results were out. I got a C. Yeah, I got a C and my dad was not happy at all because this was not the Judy he, he knew from way back in primary. This was, Judy had changed. She had become a lazy person. She had become someone who is not obedient, I guess. I was just, I was just a big mess. So after my results came out and my parents were not happy and I was not even happy with myself cause I just felt horrible. So I used to talk to my mom a lot. I didn't tell her what I went through exactly, but my mom was like my, my, my therapist. So I would talk to my mom and I tell my mom sometimes, I've just woken up feeling angry and I don't even know why I'm angry, but I just feel like I'm not okay. And my mom would always tell me, ah, Judy, just pray about whatever you're going through, you're gonna be fine. And now I, after high school now, I was isolating, seriously isolating. And now my mom started getting sick. So my mom was someone I would talk to, I would air my problems to, she was, she was my safe space. But now she started getting sick. She couldn't even get out of bed at some point. And my sister was in Nairobi then. She was doing her bar exams. My brother was also living in Nairobi when in Eldoret. My brother was working in Nairobi. My other brother was in school. So it was just me and her and my dad. So she was really getting sick. It was getting bad. And nowadays she couldn't get out of bed. And this was also now stressing me out because this is someone I always talk to. And now I was at a bad space and I really needed someone to talk to. But I couldn't talk to my mom because she was going through, she was also going through a lot. So she used to get bad headaches and it got worse. So my dad took her to hospital. And when she was taken to hospital, she was told that she's going through depression so this was after some time after like three weeks of her not being able to get out of bed often so now my dad takes her to hospital and they say that my mom is depressed so they give her antidepressants and she they come back home that evening and my dad didn't tell me that my mom was depressed so he just told me i took your mom to hospital and the doctor said she's going to be fine so i was like okay then few days later now my dad told me he had been taking my mom for therapy so he told me do you know your mom was was telling the doctor that she's stressed out because of you so now i was like oh god my mom is sick because of me it's i think it's because of i've been putting too much of my weight on her and now she was even more depressed than I was. So that that really freaked me out and I was like, what, I'm the cause of my mom's depression? So I asked my dad, I didn't even ask him, I just made an expression like, ah, because of me, then my dad was like, yeah, she has been stressed out, saying that you're not okay, saying that you're losing weight, saying that she just feels bad that you're not okay. 
So that day I was, there was something so unexplainably heavy that was going on inside me, something I felt could only be relieved by death. I really fought the, the suicidal thoughts. And if you've gone through this, then you know that it's, it's a tough battle. It's a tough battle. So after some time now, my mom kept going for therapy with my dad, but she kept getting worse. Her headaches kept getting worse. She, she was starting to lose her memory. There were, moments, there were moments she couldn't even remember that I'm her daughter. It was bad, so my dad took her to a, a better hospital and they ran some tests and then they got to find out that she had a brain tumor. So all this time they had been giving her a wrong diagnosis. They were saying she was depressed when really she had a brain tumor. By the time we were getting to know about the tumor, it had gotten worse. The doctor was like, the tumor is too big. It's pressing her head it could even be cancer we freaked out we freaked out that time when she was going for her surgery i was in my first year so and in my first year i was close to doing exams so my mom was admitted in hospital and it was just me and my dad and my mom so i had a lot going on i had to study for exams, I have to clean, I have to cook, I have to go and visit my mom in hospital, I have to prepare stuff for my dad. A lot was just going on, it was too much for me. I have exams coming, I can't study, I can't concentrate. She, she did go through the surgery, the surgery went well, but from then on my mom has never been the mother that I had. She everything changed because now I didn't have someone to talk to. I didn't have someone to open up to. My mom, after the surgery, she was still struggling with uh, gaining memory about a lot of things. So she, she even forgot that I was not okay. She forgot that I used to tell her that I'm going through some stuff. It got out of hand and I called my brother. I cried for about 15 minutes and I hung up. And God bless my bro, cause he heard me when I did not speak. He knew that I was going through something even though I didn't express it. And he reached out to me and he, he, he told me, I know you're not okay, so just tell me what's going on. I told him I, I'm going through a hard time. And he told me, you know what, I know that you're not okay. And I'm going to take you to my friend. He didn't tell me a therapist because I would have said no. So he told me, I'm just going to take you somewhere and you're going to talk to someone. So we didn't tell, we didn't even tell my parents. He just said that he was taking me to his place to chill. So we went and he took me to a hospital. His friend was a therapist there. So he left me and I saw the therapist and the, the first question I was asked is if there's a history of mental health in the family and in an African home you don't talk about those things. So I, I told him no. And then now he asked me the kind of emotions I felt, how my trauma made me feel, why I was having anger outbursts. And I remember the first time I got to express how I felt, it was so scary. I 
it was like I was going through these things all over again. And it was like I would see this, see myself standing in front of a pool and people making fun of how skinny I was, people making fun of my acne. It's like I was going through the whole thing again. And the first time I talked about it, I, I crashed. I, I broke down. I cried. It felt so bad. I felt the weight of my body was heavier than usual. I just felt so bad. It, people say that it's a relief when you talk, but the first time I talked about it, it felt like I was being crushed. So I went home. I That day I talked. I talked. I didn't even go home. I went to my brother's place. We chilled there for a while. He didn't even ask me anything. And my brother, it's like he knows how to handle someone who is depressed. So we kept going for therapy. And now I got... The therapist got to identify that I was going through complex post-traumatic stress disorder. Now, CPTSD is prolonged trauma. So I had an inner wounded child that had been suffering in silence for a long time. And now this inner wounded child wanted to be heard. So the therapist told me that what you have is complex PTSD. And the reason you're having anger outbursts, it because, it's because the, there are moments that your brain gets dysregulated and you get flashbacks and the way you respond to trauma is my trauma response was mainly flight and fawn so i would isolate myself i would call myself bad names i would criticize myself i was my biggest bully so he told me that i was going through complex ptsd i had the option of getting medication and and continue with therapy or doing both so I did not want to take any medicine. Going through therapy, I'd say it kind of helped because now getting to talk about these things and letting them out felt good. But it, this, all these experiences changed my lifestyle because until now I cannot wear a sleeveless top because I was told I have arms like a man. Sometimes I look at my face in the mirror and I'm triggered by my face because... When I look in the mirror, I remember those times I was acne shamed. When I look at my body, I don't even own a swimming costume right now because I am triggered by swimming pools. So while I was healing, I so I didn't tell you guys that I used to have a blog after I finished high school. I created a blog where I used to write a mental health blog and a fashion blog. So I would feature fashion and and mental health so while I was writing these blogs I decided that since I'm actually starting to feel better why not create a space where people can be able to to reach out a safe space for people to be able to talk about what they're going through so one day I was just sitting and in the house with my elder brother and I told him you know what I, I think I want to to get involved in mental health. So I told him I have an idea. I want to create an app where people can safely report whatever they're going through and they get help from a therapist or whatever they need. So it started as a joke, but even my brother was like, that's a good idea. So we wrote down everything and yeah, I executed it. So getting to, to start the app now was that the challenges because I needed money to fund it. Because hosting an app is 
it needs some money so i had to to save my my brother played a big role in that cuz i didn't have any income then i didn't have a job so he he gave me some money to help me um start the app and i also used to have some savings so i saved and saved and saved until the money was enough it was about 30k then i got a web developer and it was happening i created the app so we created the app in 20 actually it was late 2018 it's called mamba 24 the inspiration behind the app is in honor of my inner child so i created this app in order to help people who are going through mental illness disorders so i created this app and through this app someone can safely reach out just by logging into tufo.co.ke t u f o.co.ke <clears throat> so once you tap into this app there's a specialist at the end of the other call or text who is waiting to talk to you and it's absolutely free so we have currently we have 16 counselors six doctors and three lawyers So the lawyers are for giving out legal advice in case you have cases of rape and you don't know how to go about it. The counselors and the therapists are for people who are mentally ill, going through depression, whatever you're going through. So I'm so happy that I've been able to get a team of doctors, lawyers and therapists. I never thought I'd be alive right now. So I'm so proud of myself of my healing journey and just being able to create this safe space where people can report anything they're going through i feel so proud of myself i feel like it's a big achievement for me and i'm so proud of myself catch more african stories in the next episode of legally clueless i told you it ends on a powerful note and i say powerful because i've always thought and i think i learned this from watching my mom that you take your story the good and the bad and you use it to create something bigger than you something that impacts others that's kind of how you you rise above it especially if it's not the best of experiences so very very inspired by by Judith and what i've done in the show notes is i've put a link to mamba24 but you can just go to 24tufo.co.ke I've put a link to the website but also a link to their Instagram page so you can join their community as well. Being in the position where I'm trying to have projects like this, I understand how difficult it is. So I'm super impressed by Judith and her team and what they've been able to to do with this. You know, just creating Mamba 24 to help fight the stigma around mental health by offering free help is is quite something and i also have to like really give virtual hugs to her brother because therapy therapy is something i wish it was accessible to everybody man i feel like in this month therapy has saved my life i do not know where i'd be without it so having people around you who can like push you into it or just gently nudge you in there is is something so i really do like that point where she talks about her brother really got me so yeah make sure you check out their instagram which is mamba24_ke and 24.co.ke i've put both links in the show notes remember if you want to share a story on this podcast in the show notes there's a link to a google form fill it out and then you'll hear from me it might take some time because we do get quite a few story requests but i'm super happy that we have kind of stepped up how many stories we're going to be recording every week 
I've finally cracked that. So I've been in contact with quite a few of you. This Wednesday, I'm going to be meeting, you know, those of you who live in Nairobi to record you in person. Should be fun. Yeah, <laughs> I do not know why I sang that. But you want to share a story, any story at all. It could be something fantastic you've experienced, something challenging you're navigating. Yo, as long as you're African, we want to hear your story. Also, don't forget to check out our new tiktok page legally clueless africa as well as our youtube i know i preempted our legally clueless tours dubai episode <laughs> was it last week uh i know it's gonna come out this friday which should be what the first of april but then i don't want to say it and then we find a reason for it not to go <laughs> you know what whatever we're gonna put it out on the first of april <laughs> and it's definitely an awesome episode. I'm really proud of it. So make sure you check out our YouTube. There's not only that episode, but tons of other things you can watch. Just search Legally Clueless on YouTube or click the link in the show notes. Okay, so I'm going to end this episode right here. No noise complaints because I've started doing this recording during the night shift. So my neighbor's noisy kids are asleep. My neighbor's dog is weirdly silent although i don't know if i'm the only one i just feel like if you are in anyway let me not hate because <laughs> i guess the last time i threw any shade to any neighbor turns out they were listeners and they sent me an inbox on instagram so you know what i'm just going to end <laughs> my neighbors are fantastic i love all of them <laughs> That's it for this episode of Legally Clueless. You can share this podcast with your friends. You can keep it for yourself. I'm not judging. Just make sure you're here next week for the next episode.